you guys have picked really good books so far. Thanks. Great. Now the pressure's on. <laughs> Just Spoken like a Capricorn. <laughs> It's time for what you should read. The podcast all about the titles you need. Join three book lovers and a guest as they cover all the best new titles to enjoy with your tea. I have that, but I haven't read it yet. Hi, I'm Julia. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kelly. And this is What You Should Read, the podcast where we should all over our books. And today, back by popular demand, we are joined by Kendall, our resident astrology expert, for part two of our um, Books by Signs series, which is a series title I just made up. So welcome back, Kendall. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be back again, talking about probably my favorite topic ever. Um, We are excited to have you. So um, today we're going to be giving recommendations for books related to our moon signs are, and we'll explain more about that in a little bit, but first we're going to do our intro segment as we always do. So Rachel, what are you reading this week? You're going to be very excited, Julia. I'm reading a book you recommended to me years ago. Um, It's called an assembly such as this by Pamela Aiden. It is the first in the Fitzwilliam Darcy Gentleman trilogy, which is basically um, Pride and Prejudice from Darcy's perspective. So uh, I'm only like one chapter in because I just started it, but I'm really excited. I really like the writing style. I have a feeling I'm going to fly through this and I'm really excited. Oh, I forgot I loaned you those. And <laughs> she does like three books for, for just for Pride and Prejudice. Right. So she really goes, she goes deep with Darcy. Yeah. yeah I'm I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that's that is so exciting. Um, I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Um, Kelly, what are you reading this week? Um, so for a very rare occurrence, I'm reading two books. Uh, which I never do, but I am reading In the Lives of Puppets by T.J. Klune, which I am loving so far. I am about halfway through, and it's so good. It's kind of inspired by Pinocchio. And if you liked The House in the Cerulean Sea and Under the Whispering Door, I think you'll like this one too. It's it's really good and surprisingly sweet. And then also, because I had a lot of midterm elections-related anxiety, I went to uh, reread Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed, which also just came out in a um, 10th anniversary edition with a new introduction and some new columns. And I'm about half done with that, too, and it's really good. So great decision on my part. I agree. Sometimes you just need a little bit of self-care, and your favorite book does the trick. I am reading The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton, and it's a murder mystery, um, but the twist is that the the inspector or the detective every morning wakes up in the body of a different uh, person who's at this party where the murder occurs. So he has to learn uh, different clues and kind of piece together information each day waking up in the body of someone else, which is a premise that uh, I have seen in other books and really enjoyed it. I'm enjoying it in this one too. I felt like the book was a little slow for me in the beginning, but now I'm, I'm almost done. It definitely picks up. Uh, so if you like a good murder mystery, if you, you're an Agatha Christie fan, um, I would definitely highly recommend this book. That's actually sitting on my bookshelf right now and I have not opened it, but you're kind of inspiring me to open it. So maybe oh, good. And report back. I think you would like it, Kendall. It's um, it, it's interesting, and I think it was slow for me just because I was having trouble, and not that I try to solve the mystery when I'm reading a book like that, but I at least like to know what the puzzle pieces are. And for a while, I was even I was just sort of like I don't even know what the puzzle pieces are. But he's really, I mean, I think it's a testament to you know how clever his writing is that now I'm really into it because I'm like, okay, I see what the puzzle pieces are. I still don't know exactly what happened, but um, now I'm like, okay, now I need to find out. <laughs> so now I definitely, like this. yeah, <laughs> he definitely takes a while. Like he doesn't give you much in the beginning yeah, because you're in the head of this guy. Cause not only is he waking up in a different body, but 
the person, he doesn't even know who he is or like yeah. anything that's going on. Right. Um, the guy who's trying to solve the murder. So that's yeah, there's like several mysteries he's trying to solve and, and um, figure out. Do we know why he just wakes up in different bodies? Is it like magical? Has he had this happen before? Is this just like random? Ah, uh, I feel like that would it be hasn't swear. happened before. But <laughs> well, there's okay. a. It's kind of a loop. I, you have to read it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I joined a new online book club, and that was the book that they chose. And so I was like, oh, actually, I've had that on my Kindle forever, and I've been meaning to read it. So. Um, our first meeting is tonight as, as we are recording this. So I, I need to finish the book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our next segment is recent acquisitions where we talk about the books we've recently bought, borrowed, or been given. So Kelly, why don't you go first? Okay. Um, so this is interesting. My recent acquisitions list has changed from when we started recording to right now. Uh, because our next episode is going to be an interview with Helena Greer, author of uh, the debut novel Season of Love. And you'll be getting that episode soon. We're in a Jeremy Baramy. The things that have happened before have not happened yet for you. Uh, but she came with a lot of recommendations. And on her recommendations, I got A Lady's Guide to Mischief and Mayhem by Amanda Collins. You're a Mean One, Matthew Prince by Timothy Janowski. And How to Excavate a Heart by Jake Maya Arlo. So I'm very excited for all three of those. Uh, hopefully I'll read them soon. Um, I also got, as I mentioned earlier, an e-galley of In the Lives of Puppets by TJ Klune and the 10th anniversary edition of Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. And then also um, I got The World We Make, which is uh, by N.K. Jemison and is a sequel to, I don't remember what the book was called, but we read it for book club. Julia, do you remember? I don't um, remember the title, but it's her her contemporary sci-fi series. Oh, uh, The City We Became is right. the first one. And it's just a duology, which means that after I read this book, I will know everything, which I'm very excited for. <laughs> um I got the, the Luminaries by Susan Denard. It might be Denard. I, I'm not sure how, how to pronounce that. And then, and I'm really excited about this. I got Whiteout, which is um, not really a sequel per se, but another book like Blackout and by Danielle Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, Nick Stone, Angie Thomas, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicola Yoon. Um and I loved Blackout so much, so I'm very excited for Whiteout. Thanks. Uh, Kendall, do you have any recent acquisitions? I actually do. Um, I got an audiobook that I have not started yet. I keep telling myself I'm going to start, but by the end of the night, I'm so tired. I can't do it. Uh, but it's called The Old Place by Bobby Finger. Um, he hosts one of my favorite podcasts, Who Weekly, which is about um, the who's of pop culture. <laughs> so like the D-list celebrities. Um, but this book is about um, a retired school teacher in Texas and her, I guess, coming out story um, like later in life. So looks really interesting, really sad. Um and it's gotten really great reviews, but I have not started it yet. So maybe wow. I'll be able to fill you in the next time I'm here. But uh, it's the next book on my list. Oh, cool. Nice. Sounds good. All right. I have a lot of recent acquisitions. I feel like it's been a long time since I've had a really like long list of, I just have been going crazy buying books lately. So I got a bunch of Christmassy books for our Christmas readathon coming up next month. So of course I got All I Want for Christmas by Maggie Knox, who um, she was the author of, um, oh, what was it called? The Holiday Swap. Yeah, The Holiday Swap last year, which one was one of my favorite books of the year last year. Um, and uh, so this one, I'm not even sure. It's like a, it's another like reality show in the background. Um, uh, the two main characters are contestants on a singing show called Star Maker, um, but they have to pair up for a duet. Um, 
And when they do, they like have all this chemistry and the audience falls in love with them. And then I think they have to like fake date for the publicity. So of course, fake dating, fun, romantic trope. Um, And then I got this one called Meet Me Under the Mistletoe, which is about a woman named Eleanor um, who she runs a secondhand bookshop in London. Um, And then she has to go to this like gathering for a friend's wedding where all her old classmates from her posh private school are there and she like grew up working class so there's like some divide there and she has to like you know uh see like her old flame and everything but then there's this guy there that she might like so i think there's a love triangle um and then this other christmas one is called christmas at the cupcake cafe which i honestly was like i'm just gonna get it for that because i want a cozy hallmark christmas book um and i'm not sure what it's about but it's by jenny colgan and it looks really sweet it's about a woman who runs the cupcake cafe <laughs> I just want to say you are such a cancer. It's like <laughs> just beyond. Like these books. I know. So it's like, yeah. Okay. I know. All, all on, on the feels. On theme. Cozy. Yeah. <laughs> you but should have heard me, K- Kendall, during our interview with Helena Greer. I was like, I loved your book. It had a lot of feelings in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> oh my God. I want to say though that you were giving the title and I'm like, I bet that's by Jenny Colgan. So I'm I'm <laughs> proud of myself that I called it. Nice. <laughs> All right. So my non-Christmasy books that I got, I got Zone One by Colson Whitehead. Um, I've read a couple of books by him. Uh, the Nickel Boys is one of my favorites. And this one is sort of a post-apocalyptic zombie-ish type of book. So sounds interesting. Um Julia, you'll be excited about this one. Okay, so um, uh, Julie Powell died recently, who was the author of Julie and Julia, um, which I have read. And the they made a movie out of it where they combined that story with My Life in France by uh, Julia Child. And I had not read that. So I bought My Life in France by Julia Child. I love that book. Um, I know you've recommended it to me multiple times. So I finally so bought good. it. Um, I also was at, um, Bull Moose and I found a pre-owned copy of the 75th anniversary collector's edition of Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston, which was one of my favorite books I read in high school literature class. Um, and it's beautiful edition and I'd like to reread it. I forgot how short it is. So I think I have I that reread edition. It. At some point. Yeah, it's really nice. nice yeah. um, I also got The Gunkle, which was <gasps> oh. <laughs> um, recently recommended to us. And uh, I had heard about it before, but it's about this um, guy named Patrick and his nephew's nephew and niece call him Gay Uncle Patrick or Gup for short. Um, and I guess the kid's parents die and he like gets the kids like he's raising them now so it's about like grief and you know moving on and um it sounds really good really like lots of feelings again <laughs> I've actually uh, heard really good things about that book so yeah Carolyn Prusa recommended that when she was yes on. that's okay. right I was like who recommended that but yes it was Carolyn um I also got a finished copy of Sea Sparrow by Kristen Kashore, which is book five in her Graceling Realm series. I do have the e-galley from NetGalley, but I wanted the finished copy, obviously, for my collection. I do like um, those new covers. Yeah, I love. They're beautiful. They're, like, gorgeous. Um, I was at, um, where was I? Uh, Newberry Comics, and they had this special collector's or deluxe edition of Gender Queer by Maya Kobabi. Actually, it's funny because last time Kendall was on the show is when our book news was about the... my like my high school's school board um, banning this book. But it's a really neat, uh, oh. different cover than the other one, and it's hardcover. Um, so I got that. All right. Only a few more. (laughs) (laughs) I 
also at Bull Moose found this pre-owned copy of Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman. And it's like the original 1995 hardcover. So I had to have it because I love like the design on these like 90s books. Um, And it's, I'm really excited because I've actually never read it. I've seen the movie a few times and I recently rewatched it. So now I have, now I can read it. All right. Last thing, which is like two things in one, but they're related, is I got the new Keeper of the Lost Cities book, which I think I've been talking about on this podcast for two years because the publishing date kept getting moved back. Um, But Stellar Loon, which is book nine in the Keeper of the Lost Cities series. And then I also, um, because I couldn't help myself, got the box set of the first eight because I I hadn't owned them before I got them all from the library when I read them. Um, So now I have all of them. Oh, good. Now I can borrow them. (laughs) And now I'm done. (laughs) Do we have time to do mine? Yes. Oh, I thought we already did yours. I'm sorry. That's okay. I I was dying when you were doing yours and you'll see why in just a second. Oh, (laughs) gosh. So. What? Oh, my God. My lovely friend Cassie and I were talking and she found out I had never read Practical Magic. And she was like, what? You have to read it. It's like my favorite book. And so she sent me the 25th anniversary edition of Practical Magic by Alice Hoffman. It's a gorgeous cover. I've already read it since she sent it to me. Um, Rachel, I think you'll really like it. I really enjoyed it. And then she also sent me The Rules of Magic, which is the prequel, which is about the aunts. Um, So I haven't read that one yet, but the cover, I mean, look at these covers. Gorgeous, right? That's awesome. So yeah, we were just um, like on the phone talking about those books. I was like, oh yeah, I've never read them. And then like two days later, they were in my mailbox. So So thank you, Cassie. Um, Also, I went to the library recently and I got, and again, Rachel, I was dying because. Yay. Oh my God. It's All I Want for Christmas by Maggie Knox. (laughs) Yay, Christmas. Rachel and I have the same recent acquisitions today. So I got that from the library for our readathon. And then I also from the library got Like a House on Fire by Lauren McBrayer. Um, So this is our book club pick for our book club Kelly and I have with our friend Philip for December. And it's about a woman who is a wife and a mother of two. And she's kind of like feeling stuck a little stuck. Like she's kind of lost who she is, um, and decides to go back to work. And, um, she, she's an architect, I believe. So she goes back to work and the, her boss or a colleague or somebody has, um, you know, she meets her and she's like very enigmatic and like a dynamic figure and they strike up a friendship and get really close. And I think it's like, she starts to feel a spark between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Um, so Philip has already started reading it and says he really likes it. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. Sounds awesome. And that's it. <laughs> oh, I, I have an updated recent acquisition. Um, so I went to see how much Practical Magic is, and it's like 12 bucks on Kindle. So I didn't get that. But the prequel, the one about the ants, is $1.99. Oh, nice. So oh, I got nice. the rules of magic. <laughs> great. Sometimes I feel left out and I don't like it. <laughs> Julia, great. I'm really sorry I skipped you on recent acquisitions. No, I, think I don't it know why out. I thought you went. I'm glad it worked out that way because yeah. it's funny that and like so us that we got the same. Yeah. Books. That's awesome. Yeah. <sighs> so book news is uh Got some really good book news. Yeah. Like really like big stories. Juicy. Yeah. Yeah. So we have two stories that between them deal with pretty much all of the big five, like three of the big five um, publishing companies, houses, I guess. So first uh, we found out earlier this month that the proposed Penguin Random House Simon and Schuster merger is not going to happen. Um, a judge struck it down. And basically the the order said that the proposed merger might substantially lessen competition. That's a direct quote. And the thing with this is that it's probably going to impact how the government handles cases like this, corporate consolidation cases going forward. And um, when CBS, which owns Simon & Schuster, Viacom CBS, put it up for sale, 
um, everybody thought one of the other big four, um, HarperCollins, Penguin Random House, Macmillan or Hachette would would end up buying them. Um, and Penguin Random House and Harper Collins were the last two bidders. And Penguin Random House did a bid of $2.2 billion, uh, with a B and one. But the judge is like, well, that would make Penguin Random House, Simon and Schuster, like almost impossible to beat, mm-hmm. basically, because you know, who who can really go up against them with the money they're probably going to have? Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently a lot of people thought that the Justice Department would not really care to try and stop it. And apparently Simon & Schuster's CEO, Jonathan Karp, emailed an author, I don't know which one, and one of the things he said was, I'm pretty sure the Department of Justice wouldn't allow Penguin Random House to buy us but that's assuming we still have a Department of Justice, which is not <laughs> great. Wow. Um, and it turns out that now with uh, President Biden, we do, in fact, have a Department of Justice. And they did have some thoughts. Mm-hmm. Namely, no. So right. um, they did end up shutting it down. And... It, that was, I think that's the right decision. It would have mm-hmm. created a pretty big monopoly um, and mm-hmm. it would make it harder for s- smaller, like I work for a smaller publisher, where, but we're not obsolete. Um, we are a player. We're just not one of the big five, but mm-hmm. it would make it impossible to acquire books that sell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Well, the the argument that no it wouldn't it wouldn't affect competition at all because they say the way that publishing works with um each publishing house having a lot of imprints they're like imprints bid against each other all the time and it's like yes that's true but that would still ensure that a book would go to Simon Random Penguin. Right. Yeah, they would have all the all the imprints. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, maybe that gets the author a better advance, although I don't think it necessarily would, Mm -hmm. because you know, who's who's gonna be able to to bid against them? Who's gonna be able to afford it? Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think that's the right decision. Yeah. I just had to say that a two point two billion dollar valuation is hilarious considering Elon Musk bought Twitter for $44 billion, which is (laughs) definitely less than a billion. So it just kind of shows like how much he got ripped off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Didn't he try to back out of the deal? And then it was like, Twitter was like, no, actually, like, here's why you have to buy it now. And the best part of that is he could have paid, I think it was, I don't know the exact number. I think it was like a billion dollars to back out of the deal. And instead he decided, no, I'm going to go for the whole thing. Um, of course. And it's just, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys have been on Twitter the last couple of days, but oh, yeah. it's imploding and it is fun to watch. Although I will miss Twitter quite a bit when it goes. <laughs> to, but, um, I am wa- enjoying watching the fire. Right yeah. Now. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm curious what will, what Simon and Schuster will try to do next. Like they clearly wanted to sell. Um, so I'm curious if they will just lay off employees to to mm. make their bottom line for their next fiscal year for the fiscal year. I'm curious if they will um, sell off some of their imprints piecemeal, which mm. could be actually could be kind of good for some publishers, like maybe, you know, like other companies who aren't quite as big might be able to acquire some good, good top sellers, but I, or maybe they'll just like keep, you know, decide not to sell and just sort of mm. keep on keeping on. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause um, didn't we, when this first came out that Penguin Random House won a bid to buy them, wasn't that right after a bunch of imprints were dissolved and some of them were Simon and Schuster's this is back, mm. back in 2020. Yeah, and there was like a big thing where a bunch of imprints were dissolved. That's right. I think because so. I remember, um, 
Yeah. I remember us talking about that on the podcast. Maybe they'll dissolve more. I loved also the, um, the fact that Stephen King was like the, the star witness for the department of justice (laughs) against his own publisher. Stephen King freelance writer. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I'm a freelance writer. That was hilarious. Yeah. And also really cool that he did it because, you know, there's not much I think that could end up hurting Stephen King at this point. Yeah. But I I can't think of many other authors that could basically stand up against their own publisher and almost definitely not see any repercussions for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. maybe Jody Pico, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, but Stephen King is definitely the yeah. the one that, and also he just doesn't give. Yeah. A- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, speaking of Twitter, he just got into it with Elon Musk last week. Right. So yeah. He doesn't care. He doesn't yeah. care who catches the smoke. I, I, I love like him it. so much. Yeah, he's, he's very entertaining. Yeah. Mm. Um, and the the other thing, uh, which is actually new and not an update, HarperCollins, the union, which is part of United Auto Workers Local 2110, is on strike. They have been on strike as of November 10th. And... Uh, I, I should say that when we're when we're recording this, it is November thirteenth. So they are still on strike right now. Uh, they may not still be on strike by the time that this drops, although chances are they will be. Yeah. Um, and they are currently picketing, I believe, in front of the the office. Yeah, in New York. Yeah. Um, and it's. I so I am I am very pro union anyway I mm-hmm. I should say but this seems like I I think you honestly could just be like I I don't see how you could be against this strike basically mm-hmm. so currently HarperCollins reported record profits in 2021 which is not surprising because since the pandemic everybody's been buying a lot of books that's mm. that's come out you know all a lot of books have been bought way more than normal turns out we aren't the only ones who buy books for comfort <laughs> to soothe our anxiety Not alone. <laughs> yeah um so this negotiation has been going on for basically the better part of a year and the 250 unionized workers Um, which are primarily people in design, marketing, and publicity and sales. And they've been working without a contract since April. So I think they're doing their, you know, their due diligence and they're they're compromising. Um, But they're asking for, basically, they want to be paid better. They want to be, like, they want the staffing to be better diversified. And they want better family leave. So, you know, these are these are reasonable requests. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they're trying to, um, you know, like they're basically like, we, we've done everything we can. But now, you know, we're, we're telling you this is what we're this is what we're asking for. Mm-hmm. You will give it to us, please. And thank yeah. you, basically. Mm-hmm. And the okay the average salary for a harper collins employee is 55000 but these these people live in new york city which means they probably would have to have what like five or six roommates probably <laughs> um yeah just or be to, independently wealthy <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. and I mean, can, oh sorry you can do, you can yes you need to have roommates it's but it is like the starting salaries in publishing have always been so low. And it's just, it is kind of ridiculous because yeah, all of the publishing houses are based in the most expensive city in America. So it's like, (sighs) yeah. (laughs) And I think it would be one thing if, you know, you start at a low salary, but like you have the potential to earn more as you know, you're there for a while or even like, just like year to year, if the, if the raises were, but it sounds like the raises at HarperCollins are not 
um, sufficient. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, the, there was a Twitter thread I saw that was like, um, someone was calling, I don't, I don't know who the, the, the Twitter account belongs to, but they said that they had, were talking to a kind of a higher, high up person at Harbor Collins, who's not in favor of the strike. And they were, this person said, well, if they just stick it out for 10 years, then they'll make more money. And she was like, and this person did not, could not even begin to comprehend how ridiculous of a statement that was like, what are they supposed to do in those 10 years? Right. It's just 10. What's 10 years? Yeah. It's only one eighth of your life. Exactly. And it's like, unless you have, unfortunately it's true, unless you have like a good support system um, or are willing to go into debt, um, you know, it kind of limits, it also limits diversity in publishing um, because people from, you know, a lower socioeconomic status can't afford to move to New York and live there potentially. Um, For yeah, 10 it's, what yeah. for 10 years yeah before they get a decent raise I guess I don't know that's just it's just not a great um system all around so right. good for them I'm glad they're striking I don't know how to support them as a consumer of books um because I feel like not buying books would just hurt them in the long run well yeah so actually oh sorry go ahead Um, yeah, so they haven't asked bookstores or or book buyers to um, boycott or anything. They don't want that. Um, they have asked people not to post reviews of HarperCollins books during the strike. Okay. Um, and they mostly are asking for like um, people not to submit to HarperCollins right now they also are asking like people who work for temp agencies and stuff to not accept a temp position at harper collins um because they said the you know what if they can get a lot of temps that's going to make the strike last longer it's going to make them more comfortable with not giving into the demands and everything yeah so the crazy thing is though they're going to have probably have to pay the temp agency more than what they're paying their workers (laughs) Oh, so totally. Like, if they can afford to do that, they can afford to give them a higher salary. Exactly. Sure. But then, too, the the temps that you're getting probably won't be as experienced or as good at the job as the people that are striking. But right. you know, I think they'd probably be happier to to break the strike that way if they mm-hmm. can. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they. They've actually said, you know, please don't boycott because that'll just hurt authors. Right. You know, yeah. it's not going to hurt the company that much, probably. Right. Uh, but yeah, like, don't review, don't, like, don't advertise, don't, you know, mm-hmm. don't, don't talk about it, basically. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, we will, we'll, we'll update as this, as this goes on. Yeah. Yep. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to continue with part two of our Zodiac Books for Your Zodiac Sign series. So stick around, and we'll be right back. You know what you, you know should what you should read. You know what you should read. You know what you should read. It's time for what you should read. The podcast all about the titles you need. Join three and we are back. And, and for this episode, we will be recommending books based on our Moon signs. Kendall, as our resident Zodiac expert, what does that mean? So everybody has the sun sign, which we talked about last time. They have a moon sign and a rising sign. Um, Your moon sign is uh, the sign that represents your emotions, your moods, your feelings, and that is ruled by the moon um, and its placement in the sky. So it really represents the way that you think about yourself and it reflects your personality when you are alone, um, without the influence of other people. And it's also the sign that represents your emotional reactions to things, whether you're in like a happy situation or if you're really stressed out or something really upsetting happens, um, that's the sign that will kind of dictate how you're feeling or how you react to things. Okay, great. So our moon signs are Kelly uh, I am Scorpio. Okay. And I'm Sagittarius and Rachel Capricorn. Okay. So I think we're going to go in that order because that is the correct order. And 
what we'll do, like we did last time, Kendall will kind of give an overview of each sign's um, traits, and then we will go from there. Awesome. So currently we are in Scorpio season right now. So it is kind of fitting that we're recording this today. Um, it is represented by the scorpion, which I'm sure you guys have seen. I feel like it's probably one of the most common depictions of the Zodiac sign that we see. Um, Scorpios are water signs. So kind of like a cancer we talked about last time, they're deeply emotional signs. Uh, but the difference is that on the outside, they appear very calm and very relaxed in any situation while inside they might be (laughs) freaking out and having a lot of emotional turmoil. Um, they really like stability and routine, Um, they're actually very similar to their opposing sign, which is Taurus. Um, and so I think that's kind of interesting considering how Taurus is less of an emotional sign, whereas Scorpios are pretty emotional. Um, they're very secretive. They're very mysterious. Um, they're passionate, which I guess is pretty similar to a lot of the water signs. They're really creative, um, One of the downsides, and I'm a Scorpio rising, so I feel comfortable saying this, um, is that they really hold on to grudges and negative energy and can obsess over things that maybe other signs can let go of a lot easier. Um, They're a very loyal sign. They, you know, are, they joke around a lot and you kind of can't tell sometimes if it's sarcasm or what that is. Um, they're also definitely known as like the freaks of the Zodiac. They're very like sexually adventurous, um, and very confident. So, um, the other interesting thing is that the Zodiac sign that they get along with the best is Aries, um, which again, you know, Aries are, they do not hold those grudges. They can let them go very quickly. Whereas the Scorpio will hold on to things forever. So, uh, Scorpios, I think get a really bad rap. Like you see a lot of like memes saying that most serial killers are Scorpios and that's not true. We all know it's Gemini's. Um, and I, yeah, I, I like being a Scorpio rising. I do think that that fits my personality really well. And I'm really excited to hear what books you think would fit a Scorpio. I think they're like a really interesting sign. Uh, well, I think it's it's really funny because uh, I am an Aries, as you know, and you know I'm I'm glad Aries and Scorpio get along because, uh, you know, I I do get along with myself most of the time, um, but also uh, my my girlfriend is a Scorpio, so I have a little bit of pressure to get this right. <laughs> um, so the the three traits I picked. Uh, were ambitious and moody and passionate. And I, I will say, I, I don't think Susan is moody, but that is, that is smart. Of, what? Sorry. That's a smart answer. Thank she you. She does like project an air of calm. I feel like, you know, so I feel like that fits. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. Um, the the first thing uh, for ambitious, I chose the book Election by Tom Perota, because if there is any any person more ambitious than Tracy Flick, uh, I I don't think I want to know who that is. <laughs> um, she just she knows what she wants and she has a plan for how to get it. And if you try and get in her way, well, God help you, because you're probably not going to get very far. Um, well, that definitely goes to the grudge holding, uh, portion of a Scorpio's personality and Tracy Flick is definitely like a bold, determined, ambitious character. So yeah, she's, she's kind of scary. So I think that fits really well. (laughs) Um, and for Moody, uh, I picked when women were dragons by Kelly Barnhill. Um, I don't know that I. I don't know that it's fair to say it's a moody book, but depending on how you define moody, I think it will fit because 
basically it's it's realizing that the way things are are not the way they have to be forever and that it is totally fine to just cut your losses and move on and reinvent yourself uh metaphorically or literally and i just i absolutely loved that book and it, it feels kind of scorpio to me um, I think all water signs are moody to a certain extent. Um, I think Scorpios just kind of hide it better. Um, and on the outside, they might seem really calm and collected and strong and stoic, but inside there, you know, there's like a whole, I guess, w- water body, like ocean of emotions. Um, so it sounds like that would fit this book a lot. Um, also, it sounds like it's a book about people with a lot of passion and a lot of like dedication. So that definitely fits a Scorpio's personality. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, finally, uh, Passionate. And I picked uh, My Beloved Mistakes Were Made by Meryl Wilsner, which is a book I just absolutely love. It's their second book. Um, their first was a slow burn. Mistakes Were Made is not a slow burn. It It starts hot, gets hotter. I mean, I'm curious what that exactly means, but it does sound that that is passionate. Um, And yeah, I mean, like I said before, Scorpios are really like a a focused sign. Um, They, they, once they kind of have a goal in mind, they stick to it. I mean, less than a Capricorn, which we're going to get into later, but they are really dedicated to whatever they've set their mind to. They're really a loyal sign as well. So that can go for people or ideas, right? Like once they've made a decision about something, they are sticking with it. Um, and it sounds like this book would fit that. It's really good. You should read it. I'll have to check it out. That book made me blush multiple times. Oh, well, then if it's about sex, then for sure it's a Scorpio. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They're definitely the number one freaks followed by the Tauruses. All right, cool. So next is my moon sign, which is Sagittarius. Very fun. Um, I love Sagittarius because they're fire sign. And, you know, as I talked about before, I love Aries. I love fire signs. So um, it's a great sign. It's uh, a very adventurous sign. They're really bold, sort of like a Scorpio, but um, they're much more focused on actually trying out these new ideas that they have. Um, it's the sign that represents travel. So um, if you're a big traveler, which you are, <laughs> I think this fits perfectly. Um, there's Sign is represented by a centaur, which is kind of an interesting combination because a centaur, you know, a horse, it's like really unruly and strong, whereas a human is like really rational. So it's kind of like the emotional and rational side together. Um, They are very straightforward. They have no filter at all. Um, I'm seeing that this fits you like pretty well as I'm thinking. Um, they can be emotional and they're they can like form opinions and ideas off of emotion, but um unlike maybe the water signs, they aren't going to, you know, uproot their entire life for emotions, but they can be, I guess, probably the most emotional of the fire signs. Um, they're a really bright sign, they can be really optimistic. Um, unlike, you know, we're going to talk about Capricorns later, which are really pessimistic, but, um, yeah, Sagittarius can be really like, they focus on the positive things in life. Um, they're really an independent sign and they're really flirty. So they get along with every sign really, really well. Who doesn't love a Sagittarius? (laughs) Um, is humor a, a trait? I thought I read that somewhere. Um, so yes, they are funny. They joke around, but it's not like their number one of their numbers. Okay. You can't believe everything that you read online. (laughs) (laughs) They do have a lot of like energy and like I said, positive, um, they have positive vibes. So I guess humor kind of goes with that. I mean, there's someone that you want to be around that you want to spend time with. Okay. Um, one of my recommendations is not going to fit. So I'm going to come up with a third one on the fly, but that's okay. You can do Uh, it. Yeah, I can do it. So, but this first one definitely fits, um, with the 
kind of the tug of war between making decisions based on emotion versus based on being rational. Um, and also just like passion and, and whatnot, um, and flirt flirtation. So this book is honey and spice by Bolu Babalola. Um, this one, what I love her. I love her. I love her too. This book is so good. I listened to the audiobook, which I would highly recommend. Um, it's a really fun romance. The main character's name is Kiki. She's a college student at Whitehall in England, and she hosts a radio show on campus where she warns women of um, the women of Whitehall against the players on campus. And she's known for having a very like direct, straightforward, um, you know, like uh, uh, demeanor on her on her show. And she just like tells it like it is like, don't get into these situationships with these you know, loser guys who aren't going to treat you with respect. And so the women of Whitehall love her show and they, you know, they, they kind of see her as this like very like, you know, strong, tough person. Um, and she's, she's kind of got a reputation for being kind of cold with men. Like she doesn't get into a lot of um, situationships herself. Um, and then she meets Malachi. And Malachi, at first glance, seems like one of these these guys that's playing a lot of women um, and that, you know, she would warn her friends about. Uh, But then somehow she ends up kissing him at a party. Um, So to protect her reputation, they have to fake do fake dating. So that's the trope. But it turns out they end up having like amazing chemistry, just like off the charts banter, um, like their chemistry, like sizzles on the page. And they're very flirtatious with each other. and I just, I love their relationship. Like at one point she tells him about her favorite um, Afrofuturism sci-fi series that she's really into. It's very niche. And then like the next day he calls her and he's read like the first two books in the series. And he's like, oh my gosh, can you believe that this happens and that happens? <laughs> um, so it's just really a fun relationship. Um, and they're also both really passionate about their work, um, her for her radio show and journalism. And then he's a filmmaker. Um so yeah, so that's my first recommendation. I think that's perfect. Um, I love like the flirtiness and the fun sided nature of that. And also, you know, Sagittarius's are known for being really, like I said, friendly, like good at parties, really flirty. Um, but that's really the external portion and inside they can be kind of cold. So it makes total sense that this character would be a Sag. Cool. Yeah, I didn't even think like are the characters themselves a Sagittarius. I just kind of went with the themes, but I I agree. I think that that she could be. Um, so the next one I picked was like travel and adventure, and for this one I picked the book Killers of a Certain Age by Deanna Rayborn. I loved this book. I actually read it on the flight to Greece, <laughs> so <laughs> so perfect for the travel theme. So this is about four women who are in their 60s and they are about to retire from being hired assassins. And they work for this company that kills the bad guys, like people who are former Nazis that didn't really get um, any consequences from what they did. They will go after those guys or guys like Jeffrey Epstein, um, stuff like that. So they, you know, were hired back in the 70s and um in their job, they have to travel all the time um, to and like, you know, dress up in, in, and be like in costume. Like they're like Charlie's angels basically. And they are the first four women to work for this company. Like they're a, they're a team of four women. Um, so they kind of like broke the glass ceiling there as well. But what ends up happening is they are kind of forced into retirement and the company sends them on a, a cruise and all expenses paid cruise to, you know, as like a, you know, celebration or a gift, uh, but it turns out that they have been marked by their company for death. So like their company is out to kill them. And you kind of find out why throughout the course of the book. And in the book, they have to tr- they have to travel all over the world to kind of like figure out what's going on. And then like they decide to kill the people who have marked them. Um, so it sounds like it's not gory. It's just like fun. And, you know, if you know me, you know, I don't like scary books. So it's not like that, but it's, it's just more like fast paced and, uh, suspenseful, but also really like fun and, and, and funny. And, and yeah, it takes them to like London and all these different places. So that's killers of a certain age by Deanna Rayburn. Well, I definitely have to read that. That's like right up my alley. I love it. Um, it totally fits with the travel theme. Like 
Yeah. Sagittarius are always, it's hard to like keep them in one place. They're like known as like the freelancers of the Zodiac. So <laughs> they really like to, you know, they switch up their routine. They don't like to do a nine to five. And these women sound like that fits them to a T like this sounds like a really interesting book with all the travel and like, you know, changing things up. So I think that's a perfect fit. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it so much. So definitely going to check that out. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm your humor. I think let's hear the humor one. Okay. Um, so (laughs) this one is another killing theme book. It's (laughs) Finley Donovan is killing it by El Cosimano. I just picked this because this one did make me laugh out loud multiple times. So even if it doesn't fit perfectly with the Sagittarius theme, I still think it's a really fun book. Um, so the main character is Finley Donovan. She's a crime writer and she is also a mom and she's divorced and her life is just kind of like, um, like in shambles right now. Like she can't keep up with her bills, um, with the money she makes as a writer. Her husband has this new fiance who's like kind of like a, a jerk slash uptight, you know, snob. Um, her kids are always like, just like driving her crazy. Like she has to send her kid to school with hair duct tape to her head after an incident with the scissors in the morning. Um, her husband, her ex fired the nanny without telling her. Um, and then she has to go to this meeting with her agent and her agents like begging her, like, you have to submit a new book proposal. We have to do something. And so she decides to pitch her a new story while they're meeting at like Panera or something. And someone overhears it and thinks that she's a hitman. And they like write this note and they're like, I want to hire you for a job to kill my husband. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I don't want to spoil it, but she kind of inadvertently ends up accepting the offer, but not in the way you think. Um, And I can't explain it without spoiling it, but just like, no, it's like a really funny um, like premise of what ends up happening. And she and the ex nanny end up teaming, like she hires the nanny back to help her and they end up teaming up to like um just kind of see this through in a way and I won't say anything more than that just because I do think people should read it um and I don't want to spoil it and it's the first in a series so I haven't read the sequel yet but um but I'm interested to do so um so that is Finley Donovan is killing it by El Cosimano that sounds super fun and like breezy and light like you said yep. you know and I think First of all, I definitely want to read that because I feel like that would be right up my alley. Um, But since Sagittarius are adventurous and they are, you know, they're smart, they're witty, they're like, like I said, really personable. I feel like it would make sense that this would fit in that. Um, It sounds like she just falls into these interesting situations and um, she's adventurous. She checks them out. So I think this does fit with the Sagittarius theme. Perfect. I did it. For <laughs> sure. Um, I think I left my copy at my parents' house. So next time you're in Maine, you can borrow it. Oh, I think because I, I was reading it and then I like finished it and I was like, that was so good. And I put it down and then I I like uh saw my dad pick it up and start reading it. So I was like, I'll leave <laughs> it for you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that sounds really fun. You guys have picked really good books so far. Thanks. Great. Now the pressure's on. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like a Capricorn. All right. Yes. My moon sign is Capricorn. I am also a Capricorn rising. So Kendall, tell us about that. It's very interesting. Um, Capricorns are earth signs. So um, they are very, you know, fixed to nature. They're really hard to move. Um, Capricorns are really high achievers. They are workhorses. Once they get something in their mind, they will stop at nothing to achieve it. One of their kind of downsides is they can be workaholics because they put so much of themselves into whatever task they're working on, whether it's career or a hobby or whatever. Um, Their opposing sign is a cancer, um, which is interesting because you're a cancer son. Um, They are perfectionists in every sense of the word. Um, They are like little Benjamin Buttons. They age in reverse. When they're kids, they're super, super serious. And when they're adults, they can kind of like finally chill out a little bit. Um, They're 
extremely responsible and motivated by all of their duties and responsibilities that they have in life. Um, they are very unemotional. Um, they repress their emotions. So this is like polar opposite of your sun sign. Um, they try to push their emotions away so that they can be focused on achieving any of the goals that they have. Um, they're definitely the hardest workers of all, um, but they can be really pessimistic and really focused on the negative in life. Really different from the Sagittarius, like we just talked about, where they're focused on the positives and looking at, you know, the good things that are happening in their lives. The Capricorns are looking at all of the negative things. They're really practical um, and they are probably, we were just talking about humor. They're probably like the least funny of the signs because they can't tolerate, you know, being teased or being made fun of or anything like that. Um, but you know, Capricorns, I mean, it's good to be focused and hardworking and, um, you know, not letting anything get in the way of their goals. So I think we could all probably use a little bit of that Capricorn work ethic in our everyday life. Um, but they can be really like a really serious sign. All right. So I think, um, I think my books fit pretty well. So the first book that I want to talk about is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. So this is a book about, um, two friends who they met when they were kids um, and they share a love of games, um, video games, puzzles, um, things like that. And, you know, figuring things out and, and um, working on them. And then they kind of have a little bit of a falling out and then they meet again in college. Um, and they, start designing video games together. This is in like the nineties. Um, and they start working on this video game and it turns into such a passion project that they work straight through all summer. They skip the next semester. They're just like constantly working on it. They won't stop. They just have their goal to, and they're trying to achieve it. Um, and they make this really great game that becomes very famous and, um, gets them like this really good deal and contract. Um, and they have, now they have this like video game design business and they are just the most hardworking, like, um, they are workaholics and they are very ambitious. They're always, you know, trying to find the next successful game. Um, and they love working out puzzles and, and working out problems. Um, and they also repress their feelings a lot. So one of the characters he deals with, um, he was in a car accident when he was a kid and he has this bad foot that keeps giving him problems. Um, and he just kind of tries to ignore it or put off getting medical care. And, um, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't like when people try to like help him or like tell him, Hey, you should do this. You should do that. And he's like, no, I'm fine. Um, and then the other friend, she's very like, um, she's kind of stoic, but she's very loyal to her friends. Um, but when they like, when she, when there's a perceived slight, she's, you know, um, kind of a little bit headstrong about it. Um, but it's such a, it's such an interesting story. And I love the way the book is written too, because there are a few, like mostly it's like from the two characters point of views, but also there are different interludes where like this one's like sort of semi-main character gets a couple of chapters or one chapter where it's from his point of view, but it's also in second person. So it's like written a little bit differently. And then there's a um, there's a chapter later in the book where one of the main characters is playing a video game. And so the point of view is from the character in the video game, which is kind of interesting. So it's just a really differently written book. Um, so if you like things like that, I would definitely recommend it. Um, but yeah. Well, that sounds really interesting. Um, definitely the theme of like workaholics working hard. <laughs> I mean, Capricorns like to build things. Um, mm -hmm. and so it makes perfect sense that, um, you'd pick this book because they are 
designing video games. That's like the definition of building something. So this sounds like a really interesting book. Um, I'm going to have to check this out. You guys are giving me like a whole list of things. Yes, <laughs> we do. I, I loved it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Um, so my second book is a book I've talked about before. It's one of my favorite books of all time. It's called A Man Called Uva by Frederick Bachman. Um, Uva is like a textbook Capricorn. He is like um very disciplined, very like responsibility, like he's always like in his routine and expects everybody to like live up to the same standards. Um, so he and he's a workaholic, but he's been forced into retirement. So now he's like struggling with that. Um, and I think the way, thing you said about the Benjamin Button phenomenon, Kendall, I think really fits with him because as a kid, I think he was very like um, adultish. Um, you know, you get flashbacks of him in his early life and he was pretty like you know, responsible and, um, things happened that kind of forced him into being like growing up a little faster. Um, and, but then when he meets his wife and gets married and sort of closer into middle age, I feel like he comes out of his shell a little bit and is able to relax more. But then where we are now in the book is his wife is dead and he's sort of reverted back to like closed off. Um, he, you know, he's pretty like, unforgiving of people. He expects the worst in others. Um, so he's pretty pessimistic. Um, and he doesn't really let people in very easily. Um, but yeah, I just think, I just feel like if he, if we knew what his birthday would be, it's probably Capricorn. (laughs) I love that. He does sound like a Capricorn, you know, being so serious and being focused and a hard worker. Um, and yeah, I mean, that is kind of like a downside, right? Like there's mm-hmm. positives and negatives to being so focused, especially from a young age. Um, yeah. But this, this guy sounds like he definitely might be like a January birthday. Yeah. And he's like, he's very loyal and like, um, you know, he wants other people to succeed and do well. Like he has these new neighbors move in um, and he finds out that one of like the wife of the family, like she doesn't have a driver's license. And he's like, what are you talking about? You have to have a driver's license. Like you need to just be an adult. And so he teaches her how to drive because uh-huh. he's like, you need to grow up and get a driver's license. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It's really a sweet, um, the movie adaptation, um, that they made that's in, uh, Swedish is really good, but also, um, the, there's one that they made that they adapted, called a man called Otto, which is uh starring tom hanks that's coming out next year um and the trailer's out and it looks really good and it does seem like they're keeping the spirit of the thing so that's exciting yeah yeah all right so my last one is a little bit um so i I I ended up thinking of this because I found a list of like famous people who are Capricorns. Um, First of all, Michelle Obama and Dolly Parton, which is really cool. Um, But also Zora Neale Hurston. Uh, So I talked about this book earlier, Their Eyes Were Watching God. Um, And the reason I thought that the main character in this book was a Capricorn is that she's very strong and she's very persistent. Like she will persevere she perseveres through so much in her life. Like she has a lot thrown at her, um, but she never like gives up on trying to like, you know, um, survive and get through. Um, she's a very hard worker. Um, so it's not as like on the nose, I think as the other ones, but it just made me think of it. Cause of just how, like how much she just like, doesn't give up essentially. That definitely fits. I mean, being really disciplined and relentless and being focused on your goal is definitely Capricorn traits. So Mm -hmm. I think that definitely fits. Cool. Oh, these are all so good. (laughs) We did it. (laughs) You guys are getting good at this. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Well, thank you so much, Kendall, for your, uh, for your guidance on this. We're going to have to have you back. I don't know if we can do our rising signs because both Rachel and I have the same rising sign. Like Mm. my rising sign is also Sagittarius. So we're going to have to, cause I want to do, we want to do this for every sign. Yeah, we got like a six different... signs left, so yeah. we'll fit them in. And yeah. I, I think we we figured out that mine, like all of ours, our moon and rising signs are the same. So oh, wow. yeah, I think yours Which is too, yeah. weird, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that is it's weird. Odd. <laughs> kind of maybe, maybe we'll um we'll uh, choose like well, I mean we're, we're gonna have to do them all anyway, so we'll just yeah, yeah. choose three more for the next one. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. We'll get to your sign, shitheads. If you're feeling (laughs) left out, don't worry about it. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Be prepared for some Gemini slander. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, Mom of the pod, Becky Hall, is a Gemini. So she's one of the only ones I can tolerate. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. I'm very anti-Gemini. Sorry, all the Gemini's out there. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be a no for me. Okay, um, we'll uh, we'll we'll find some interesting books, I'm sure, from it. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that is our show. You can find these books on Libro FM. If you don't already have an account, use promo code WYSR and get two books for the price of one your first month. Yes, and please follow us on social media. We are WISR underscore podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. Our email is what you should read podcast at gmail.com. And please leave us a rating and a review wherever you subscribe to your podcast. And now you know what you should read. You're welcome. Go to sleep, Michelle. You know what you know what you should read. You know what you should read. It's time for what you should read. The podcast all about the titles you need. Join three book lovers and a guest as they cover all the best new titles to enjoy with your team. I have that, but I haven't read it yet.